0: Spring break. I got uh, I got a studio deal and at, at, the, at the lot in Burbank. It was with Columbia, and I worked on a bunch of different things and I and, and I met a whole bunch of different people. But I didn't make a movie and it had gone on for eighteen months and it was coming up to almost two years. And then one day, the head of the studio, <clears throat> Guy McElwain, says, "Sean, we need a movie for May twenty-second. What do you say?" And I said. Fine, great. And, but I thought there was more to come. It was sort of like, good, we got that settled. It's like, what the heck is it going to be? And it was, it was, uh, well, you know, we're working out, you know, just, it's like kids and horror and, you know, all those things that you do so well. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And um, so that was sort of like ground zero. My recollection is that was in something like September, maybe even October, so that at a dead run we're trying to figure out what can we do for May 22nd and uh you know on the lot we had writers that that uh, were around and and we had you know people trying to help and uh but we also had the whole production we're going to you know where are we going to shoot it and 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 we wound up uh wound up shooting it in Florida predictably because we wound up shooting over uh, over Christmas and into January, so um, that that was that was that, the, the the birth, as it were, uh, of how this movie got made. And it was all done just so fast and slapdash. And um, some things worked out really well. I mean, I lo- I got to uh, I got to meet and work with Stephen Gyllenhaal, who is um, he's a wonderful guy. And and I'm crazy about his his kids were kids, uh, but uh, you know and, and just a, a whole bunch of really really good people um, were there to help. I think I probably was, was more of a producer than a director. Trying to you you know it always starts with the script, but the grand idea was it was going to be kids in high school and something bad was going to happen to them, and hopefully they were going to put the world back in balance. So that was that was sort of that. Now tell me a story that involves that, and then the stories came back, and Steve um, came up with the idea of wouldn't it be kind of cool to set it in a, in a low-budget sort of petting zoo, um, home amusement park, and that's what became Santa Land, I think it was called, um, as just as an unusual place you know, to shoot set pieces, and, and he was right. I mean, a lot of it just really worked extremely well. But you've got that. The, the one thing that, that I had, which I wouldn't have had otherwise, is I had the studio. So it wasn't that um, I had to find the money. The money was going to be there, not, not a lot of money, but within certain parameters. So I could hire a writer, I could hire a cinematographer, I could, I could um, get Lalo Schifrin to do the music. Um, you know, I had all, all kinds of resources to, to draw on, and I, I, uh, <laughs> I did the best I could. Now, here's the thing about the story, is that, that uh, I, had, I had pieces of stories from, from different, different writers, and the idea was to, to put them together. Brian Taggart, who unfortunately passed away this year, um, uh, was part of it, and Stephen had a big part of it. And uh, another writer who I really liked was uh, Harry Cruz, who wrote Gothic novels, and, and including something called The Gypsy's Curse, and he helped at the end a little bit. Um, but it was all working towards coming up with a unified, um, <laughs> a unified presentation that was all on the same page. And so that's what we had to do, and, and Stephen carried, um, carried most of the water you know Santa Land did not exist let's get that straight so finding a location was a swamp and it was near enough to the hotels and we wound up building uh, building that whole the whole structure was uh, done out of uh, whole cloth we did rent you know certain carnival uh, you know ferris wheel and the little miniature roller coaster and other things that would Come from a traveling carnival, but outside of that, we built all the standing structures. We needed a brother and a sister, and um, and and some and, and support for the family and that. So I had um, I had casting people in New York who I worked with on a, on Friday the Thirteenth in Spring Break, and, and then I had Penny Dupont out here who was wonderful. And um, they they fed me access to a whole bunch of young uh, young performers, and that led me to um, Laurie Laughlin, who I learned to love, and I thought she was wonderful, and also to Eric Stoltz, who I worked with, uh, I had worked with on Spring Break the year before. And Eric was a dream to work with. He was, he was funny, he was a smartass, and I really, really liked him. And he, he came down and said that he would play a, a small part in the movie, and he did. Um, in, in New York, um, Barry Moss introduced me to this young actor, James Spader. And he was just off the charts strange. Now, I, I don't mean it as a person, but he presented, he had this persona... Of being strange and intense, and he was, a, he was a young actor, and I think that he was studying in New York at the time and uh, and he came in and he read some things you know just the, in, in a casting session, and he 'd look me in the eyes and, and it was so unnerving i just and he just tickled me he was so he was having such a t- such a good time being a bad guy he, he just just loved it. And, and, and we loved him. I mean, he, was, he really made, the, uh, made it crackle because he was literally so scary. And I don't know that we'd ever seen anything quite like that, especially in a, in a young person. And, and I think, it, uh, it, I think it, it elevated the film in a lot of ways. As a gang, they, they did hang out together. They were young guys and they were hung out together. And they all sort of, they, they had sort of a group swagger. And and uh, especially when we went out and started shooting the dog stuff on the rope and all the pit bull stuff, they uh, I can't remember who it was. I, I don't think it was Sean, But he being around those dogs can be very very scary. And they're nice dogs on the face of it. But if they ever hold on to your arm or hand and don't want to let go, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do about it. But it, so it was that that part was is kind of kind of strange in my memory. It was, A long time ago, but I do remember going out there as a gang and being exposed to how pit bulls were trained and how they really are trained to to hang on to a rope and hold on to it for a very, very long time. You have to be careful around animals um, if you like them. Uh, I tend, you know, I've got lots of dogs and stuff, and so I don't, I don't want to be the guy that uh, <laughs> that chops the head off a chicken. Even I mean, I'll go to Kentucky Fried Chicken. That's fine, but I don't want to, you know, like they say, like nobody wants to know how the sausage is made, and that's one of those things that I just, especially as I grow older, I just want to stay away from that. I remember meeting Shannon Presby for the first time, and one of the things I really. Liked about him was his physical presence because he was a a good athlete and he was cut and there are scenes where he works out and does all kinds of stuff and and martial arts and and um, That that all came from (laughs) My awareness of all that came from uh, earlier experience I had and one of the things that I do Now and have ever done uh, ever since was see if somebody can throw a frisbee or catch a ball it sounds like nothing, but if you have an actor that has any kind of physical stuff to do and they are not comfortable, you know, doing athletic things, you're never going to get them. And just, you got to know that going in. And, and Shannon was, you know, Shannon was perfect physically for all that different stuff. And, um, and I, I just, um, and he just had um, a nice personal way about him and I thought, um, I thought he would. I thought he would bring up kind of a balance. Um, I think that he was as he's a nice person, and maybe that was a mistake because I think that that you never felt that there was this smoldering anger underneath that that was going to explode into James Spader's face. You know, and and his niceness may have may have been a liability. I think it was an asset for him as a person, um, and I and I and I liked it when I cast it. But then subsequently, i wondered about that smoldering intensity, the unspoken anger, all that stuff. Everything was was shot in Florida um, up up to the very end, and we wound up um, shooting a separate ending on the lot at um, at, at Burbank. Um, when the film was completely finished. We just weren't satisfied with the way the ending worked and, and we found a better ending. In general, what, ha- what happens is you establish the world and the world is in balance. And then something happens that knocks the world out of balance and the rest of the movie is set about trying to put the world back into balance. And then you, f- then you finally get to see the world back in balance at the end as it was in the beginning and that's kind of a an american um movie trope that that works very effectively what we had by and large was the kids fought you know fought to the death as it were and and they were stuck there at santa land covered in blood <laughs> and and you know there's a crane back and and uh you know, they're bloodied but unbowed and they will live to fight again and and nobody else will mess with them. And that's that didn't give us a sense of the world being back in balance. And I think that um, to say it, you say, well, of course that doesn't work. But, but uh, that's what we had. We had a fight in the, in the bathroom around, uh, I think the gym bathroom. But... Um, the notion was that the Jim Spader was going to punch Shannon, and <clears throat> Jimmy came from working um, working intensely in New, in New York as a as a method or not really method, but it's you know method acting kind of thing, and so we're staging and everything, and and he's having a hard time holding the punch back, and he almost. He almost hit Shannon once. He was like, stop. You know, and and I went through and I explained to him how at the moment that he's supposed to, you know, hit, that you can you can miss his, his head by, you know, that much. You do that and Shannon's head goes back and you never you never know that it didn't happen. So we got went over it very carefully and I said I got it, I got it, rehearsed it and it seemed to work. All right. Now we're gonna shoot. We go. go to shoot, and now the camera's way back here. And Jim goes in and gets him, and he takes him, and he punches him, and just put out his lights, just. And it was like, what did you do? <laughs> and and, and Jen, Jen was not only out that day; he was out. We wound up had to shoot around that for. About four days, just to, just because the the makeup to cover the swelling and the black and blues, and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I, you know, you, you just put us out of business. Oh Lord, I, mean, you know, it passed, of course, but um, I do remember that, and I and I, uh, I still to this day. How could you do that? Uh the notice the notice don't do actions scenes with Jim Spader. <laughs> Nothing good could come of it. Paul Schifrin um, was was somebody that we wanted to use for this. And um He's one of the greatest composers of all time. And so, you know, Lalo comes in and he's very gracious and he talks and he took notes. And then, you know, he he was, you know, worked on his in, in his own sort of uh, world. But, I mean, very, very communicative. And then he went away and he, he did all of, his, all of his charts and things. And then that was when, in those days we still um, recorded Live to picture, and so he had a whole orchestra there, and he was he composed the stuff, and then he 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 directed the orchestra, you know, uh, according to you know whatever he felt or saw, so. and it was just magic watching that. It seemed grossly inefficient, but I loved it. It was, and you know, oh, that's how the big guys do it. Ah. I think that uh, I, 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 my experience is anytime you've got a, a script that's got horror in it, if the script ever turns a corner and starts to become good, then it starts to become another kind of movie, a thriller, a, a something else, but not horror, you know, uh, and so that that um, there's an obligation to go further than come up with great special effects. There's an obligation to try to figure out. Character arcs and story things and so on and so forth. Um, if it's going to be a bunch of teenagers in a gymnasium um, doing carry nine, you're not, you're not expecting a lot. But um, I, I, uh, I found when the, I found when the movie was done, uh, the ambition probably was to be have it more as a, a thriller than a horror film. But there's not a there's a very uh, thin line there. But I think that the studio decided um, that, that uh, their interest would be best served by <clears throat> selling it as a horror film because from the horror director who brought you Friday the 13th comes another exercise in bad taste. And, you know, you don't want to miss it. And, but um, that did, didn't bother me. That's what they were trying to do. And, um, and hopefully, you know, uh, you got more than you expect we we'll
1: It was 1984, I guess, when it was sort of germinating. Um, and I was kind of going back and forth at the time about being a writer and a director. I was, had been directing all along, but I had written and directed some of my own material. I think long term, I've come to understand I really was have been much more a director than a, than a writer, but I've made a living on and off writing. And I had two young kids at the time, and I needed to make money. And, um, and I also just needed a sort of a break from just life in L.A. and everything was going on. I think, I'm trying to remember, um, Sean uh, got a call from my agent, I guess, and said, Sean Cunningham, you know, did Friday the 13th, uh, wants to get together with you. He likes something you'd written. I forget what it was. Um, and he wants to have you and a couple of other writers pitch anything. Just anything at all, because he's got to make a movie really fast. And I went, wow, okay, whatever. Now, I had... um, We had been going back and forth, I guess, between L.A. and Santa Barbara. Um, uh, At that point, um, my daughter was seven and my son was four. Um, And and so we'd go back and forth. And... um, I had no idea what am I going to make a movie about and I was not exactly a horror picture guy. It wasn't really my genre, um, although um, I have had a facility and a fascination with violence my whole life. We live in a culture that's profoundly violent. We live in a world that's profoundly violent, doesn't seem to stop. Um, and that's always been much more intriguing to me than the genre itself, but just why do human beings keep doing this, this stuff to themselves? Um, and, um, and I think as I've gotten older, I've realized my, my childhood had its own level of, of violence around it. So, so it was more a personal thing than a cinematic thing. So, so I had an, an aptitude for it, I guess, uh, something I'd written, I forgot. So I met with Sean in some place or other, and he said, OK, I need a movie. What do you got? Um, just I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm flattered that you, you want me to, um, to, to write a script for you. Um, and I need the money. Um, and um, uh, cool, okay. So the first thing I did is I hadn't watched Friday the 13th. So I watched a couple of the movies and I went, whoa, okay, this guy's a raw motherfucker. Um, and, and I like that, you know, I like that whole quality, you know, uh, about him. And I like that he was sort of rough and tumble. I, I like that. I mean, if you're in film your whole life, you better be able to be rough and tumble, you know. Even if your inclination is more toward character, more toward, um, sensitive issues, which I think I, I really am much more t- for. But this is the beginning of my career. So um, I was driving up um, to Santa Barbara, and we passed, um, it's called, it was called Santa Claus Lane at the time. And there was like a, there was this really funky amusement park thing there that these people had put together that was really tacky, really, really tacky and I think we would stopped over to get some candy for the kids or something and I kind of looked at it and I, and I and we left and I had been watching the movies I was thinking, there's a place for a, now this is a place for a movie and, and the imagery would be really cool you know I mean you know these weird you know sort of carnival things there's something at its core around carnivals that's violent I mean it's just strange it's mythical and bizarre and goes into the unconscious in a way that's really interesting And so I was really okay this is something you know so um, so I think I had 10 days to write the script. He said, you've got to write a script in 10 days. I went, okay, let's, let's see what we can come up with. So I kind of came up with, you know, these, um, these kids, you know, in this ragtag world. And, um, you know, I, I forget who came up with the idea that they, I think I, I actually do think I came up with all the ideas, actually. Now I think I think I actually did come up with the idea that their parents had died and they needed to go to aunt and uncle, and they needed to end up in this weird Santa Claus Lane tacky amusement park. And then the things sort of began to just work out pretty well, and you know, sort of inspired by Sean's work more than my own understanding of the genre, um, I uh, sort of pieced together this this thing in 10 days, and it was really fun. So Brian Taggart was, um, I never really had much to do with him because I think he was writing a I think Sean had like five people writing scripts, you know, and it's like utterly non-writers guild whatever, you know, get me a script, whatever's the best script. I think he did say, I'm gonna take the best script and that's it. And I think Brian wrote a script uh, along with it. I don't really know. Um, I didn't really deal with him at all. Um, I just came up with this thing and then I got a call about 10 days, I handed the script in, um, and I thought it was, well, it is whatever it is. You know, we'll see what happens. And I think I got paid something, or maybe it was even spec at the time. No, I think I got paid something for it. Um, and then I got a call. Your script's the script that's going to go. So, and, and you got to, and, and I think, um, and you didn't have much time, I think. It was sort of like, you got to go to Homestead, Florida, and um, uh, and keep writing. And we've we now have, we've now I guess they found, a, I can't remember exactly, I think they had found a, a car, you know, a, an amusement park of some sort or other and they were building things onto it and they were doing all this kind of stuff. And it was really my first real kind of major production, if you want to call it a major production, because I had been doing after school specials, directing and things like that. So, and, and they put me in a really nice hotel. I remember that that was like, the, it was like the Hollywood fantasy. For the first time, I first-class food. It was sort of like just it was like um, um, it was at Boca Raton or somewhere south, just south of Miami, and it was beautiful. The weather was beautiful, and I was by myself, and you know, I had this time, and I just was writing the whole time. And I think somewhere in there, so you know, it, it's like is Sean Cunningham a little like Donald Trump, and that he'll just throw people against each other and. See what happens, and I think Brian was brought in at one point, and um, you know he—I I didn't like what he was doing. I guess he didn't like what I was doing. I guess that Sean was like, whatever, you know, somehow that's going to come out of it all. So then I was sent home, um, and Brian took over for a little while, but he didn't really change much. It was weird. It was just the whole thing was kind of weird. But welcome to Hollywood. It is what it is, and it's a dog-eat-dog world. And Brian was like, okay, you know. But I will say right here on camera that the basic idea came from me. This basically came from me, and from Santa Claus. And, you know, like anything comes from, you know, reality. Take the Cadillac. We write to the location a little bit. Cool, I can do that, I was doing that. And then I think you know, and I don't know all the ins and outs of Sean Cunningham's mind. God, help us! Um, God help us, Sean, from trying to figure out your mind um, in all of this. Nonetheless, I tried the best I could, and um, uh, and so 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 it would be kind of like just re- rewriting a little bit, you know. Um, and Sean had a little bit of restructuring um, to do, which I played around with, and I think. Um, from the start, I understood we want to end up blowing up the whole carnival, or whatever you know, whatever we can do to just just decimate the whole thing. Um, and and Sean was into that altogether. And I think Brian was good with action. I think he had some good sense of action. Um, and um, and he went on to do more um, that, that kind of genre than I did. I think his he his heart was more in that genre than I. And mine was more into character and all that kind of stuff. But I also. Have have enjoyed, as a director, doing a lot of action stuff and violence and things like that too. So then I was sent home and Brian was there and I was sort of like disappointed. And then toward the very end he brought me back again. And so I was there for the last part of the, the shooting and was rewriting a little bit here and a little bit there. And, um, and so I was there sort of on and off through the whole wild journey that films are. You know, it's interesting about the three-act structure and what does that mean and, you know, people always are trying to uh, somehow um, make the creative process controllable. I do think there's something about the three-act structure that's valid and real, um, but it wasn't something that I threw out. It was just, how do you make this thing, you know, with these characters go through what they have to go through and somehow come out the other end sort of winning, but the evil still lurks in the background. We, at that point, lived in a house. Um, I had come from New York and had moved to L.A. and had found this basically an abandoned house um, at, at Vermont and Wilshire. And right near um, what was then, uh, oh, what was it? Anyway, there was a. It, was, it had one time been a very fancy neighborhood. And I bought this abandoned house and fixed it up. And around it there were these other houses as well. I didn't understand at the time that the houses had all been bought by various. Um, Dark characters in, in, in L.A. history and they had put um, homeless people, not homeless people but um, mentally ill people into these various houses and they, they would pick certain houses and then they would drive the price down um, in all the houses and then they would buy up all the other houses and I walked into this mess and there was a guy who was behind all this named Frank Dutra. May he rot in whatever hell exists in reality. Because he was a bad guy, and he was one of the instrumental characters in this. And what they were doing was, they were they were doing this in certain parts of LA. They were paying off politicians, and 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 they ended up pretty much. Well, any 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 case, they made a they made a mistake in letting us buy the house. Because my ex-wife and I are political and are tough characters, and we fought them, and we half won. So they were never able to. To, to turn it into what they wanted to turn it into. But, but, they, but, so they lost money and that was good. But Frank Dutra, who I hated, became the name of the character in the, in the movie. And so he lives in infamy, in my mind. I think in terms of language um, and the raw language in the film, you know, language is far less destructive than violence. And there was no question this was gonna be an R-rated film. I mean, there's no question about that. And so I think um, the bad boy criminality, you know, language, which is appropriate for a character like that, and also just is a bad boy thing about it, you know. Um, And, you know, it is offensive. You know, it is offensive. Um, um, And I think times have changed around some of that but violence is offensive and you know people behaving badly is offensive and they use bad language and I think one of the things that's always bothered me um, as a filmmaker is hypocrisy. Um, so in a strange way, um, I, while I don't condone that, you know, um, uh, it, it is a form that deserves to be uncensored and I think... Um, I think censorship is just plain dangerous. It's problematic in many ways that some things aren't censored um, but it's more problematic when you start censoring things. We live in a country where um, all forms of communication need to be allowed to be um, expressed and then there's dangers in that somewhat, you know, and I think you have to be somewhat careful but, you know, language like that in the film, I think um, I I would defend um, even though I don't Try to use that language when I can possibly avoid it.
0: I'm Dutra. You know what that means. You know, I come in here and act decent and you don't you turn me down. Well, I don't fucking believe that. You're crazy. Crazy? You want crazy? I'll show
1: you crazy. I do think um, that there is a lot of indication that violence toward women in film, violence in general, does have a problematic effect, a numbing effect on people. So, you, you know, on the other hand, I also think there's a release in it that's somewhat necessary. So, it's, the jury's somewhat out on that. Although, you know, you want to be, be aware and have the dialogue about it. That's the most important thing. And again, not to censor that, let there be dialogue. It's kind of an amazing cast. I mean, um, and James Spader, you know, he worked with my, my, my daughter, so, um, in secretary, so, and he's a gentleman, you know, so um, it was just a gentleman to her through what was a complicated film too. Um, and um, you know, Eric Stoltz, st- astonishing actor, and a great, um, great Scrabble player, Runaway, um, uh, brilliant Scrabble player. Um, awesome, terrifying Scrabble player, um, and and a wonderful actor. You know, so it's like you know, and I think um, I I was, I like the cast. You know, I mean, I I am more character driven. I mean, that's where I kind of go, and I felt that you know there were they were um, believable and vulnerable characters. You know, and I thought she was too. You know, and. Sorry, she's made the choices she's made. I sort of understand it as a parent, to be honest. Um, on the other hand, you know, there are consequences, and you have to deal with what we have to deal with. And but she was a young, wonderful, talented um, actress, and he was great. And you know, James Spader was awesome. You know, it's like you know, so yeah, it holds up. It's all about acting in the end. I mean, you can do all the violence, you can do all the writing, you can do all those things, but. Um, um, although Truffaut says there's only three things that matter in a movie: the script, the script, and the script. So I'll take that. I'll take that to the to whatever small bank I can take it to that that, um, that might bring a little more remuneration. I doubt. But yeah. I was like kind of delighted and pleased. You know, it's like I've been in this business my whole life. It's um, it's it's tough. It's complicated. But it's also miraculous that you get to do this, you know, for your whole life, and um, and then have the things live on, and you know, and the technology now has allowed these these movies that you thought would have evaporated by now, you know, and disintegrated as, as 35 millimeter, now are back, you know, in, in full bloom, you know, uh, the music, the the acting, the directing, and the script.